Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Femobeps podcast. In this episode, I talk with Sarah about becoming a feminist, reproductive choices, teaching consent to children, and heaps more. Don't forget to find Femobeps on Facebook and like the page for updates from me. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the podcast. Mm-hmm. What does being a feminist mean to you? Um, well, feminism to me means um, equality, so equality of everyone, and particularly men and women, obviously. Um, for me, I think it's really important to add a qualifier onto that, that I'm an intersectional feminist, so yep. really focused on different privilege within feminism and making sure that people who need extra access are given that. And Yeah. Yeah. That's really awesome. So, you're not from Melbourne? Nope. Where about you from? <laughs> uh, Minnesota in the US. Oh, cool. So. And you just said before you came here... 12 years ago? 11. 11. Yeah. So, well, I was yeah. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so you moved over when you were little? Yeah. Well, I was 11 years old. Um, so yeah, I've now lived in equal co- in both countries an equal amount of time. So I consider myself kind of a bit of both. <laughs> Do you remember much from there? Uh, a little bit. Um, more, a lot of what I remember is more what I've learned about the States after moving oh, here yeah. in a way. Um, yeah, like where I come from, it's there's just corn in Minnesota. <laughs> it's there's nothing there. Is it in the middle? Um, it's in the very center and right up the top, so it's oh. on the border of Canada. Oh, cool. Yeah, so a lot of people think I sound Canadian. <laughs> I've lived here long enough that my accent's a bit of a blend. So, yeah. Do you remember when you started identifying as a feminist? I do actually. Um, it wasn't until uni, so I kind of. Started when I started going to uni, it kind of sort of like broadened my perspective of the world generally, and I started thinking more about social equality and things like that. Um, and then I started dating my husband, and a lot of we had a lot of debates and discussions, and it really um, he encouraged me to kind of find my own decisions and make up my own mind about a lot of things that I would my family would strongly disagree with. So it was a little bit of a kind of transformation process in that way. Um, and then I was, I made a friend at uni and one day he asked me if I was a feminist and I said no. And he said, but you're a woman. And that really made me think about it and then go home and Google it and learn yeah. about it. And then I decided I was a feminist. Yeah. It's interesting though. Cause just because you're a woman doesn't mean you have no. to be a feminist. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it really, that's what made me start yeah. thinking about the term, I guess. And then I went to NAUSA and started getting involved in things. And what's NAUSA? Um, oh. I can't remember what it stands for, but it's like a <laughs> it's like a student um, festival feminism. Okay. So they like do talks and awesome. um, yeah, it's often organized by Melbourne Uni, I think. Did you go to Melbourne Uni? No, I went to Latrobe, but oh. my women's group I got involved in that, and they got me a ticket to go to that, so I went along. I've never heard of it. That sounds fun. Do they still do it? Uh, they still do it, but I think now it hops around the country. So like they bid to have certain unis host oh, yeah. it. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting. There's a lot that I agreed with, and then a fair bit that I'm like, yeah, okay, I might disagree on that a little bit. It's quite hardcore, I guess. So yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> but that's what how I got involved in RCA. So I was at NAUSA, and I Which went is to Reproductive Choice Australia. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went to a talk held by Leslie Cannell, who was at the time the president of RCA, and she really laid out a lot of facts about abortion and about being pro-choice and what that actually means and that made me think about that some more too and then I attended a a class um, on campaigns and it was held by someone from RCA and then I decided to volunteer. Awesome. Now I'm stuck there. So So you work there full time? Uh, No, I actually don't. It's all volunteer based. Um, Yeah, we all, it's all online. We don't even have an office. We do teleconferences and stuff. Um, Yeah, so I just do that as a volunteer basis. 
still. Yeah, that'd be really, really intense. It can be. <laughs> it can be. It's It can be quite difficult to coordinate with. I've only met three or four of the women on the committee and there's about 10 of us. So it's interesting working with people who live all across Australia mm. and they're all very busy, busy women doing very important things and it gets chaotic sometimes. <laughs> Were you involved much with the um, legislation change, with Fiona Patton legislation change here to stop people from protesting? Um, a little bit. We kind of talked back and forth with her and she asked questions and things like that. Um, doing a lot more of kind of getting it out there once she has already had already tabled it, talking yeah. about it, getting people to email MPs and stuff. Because that's so good. Yeah, it's excellent. And it's great that it's come into effect and immediately was used to turn people away. That I was know. awesome. <laughs> I remember reading about that the other day and they were just like, oh, we're going to, what do they call themselves? God's helpers or something? Yeah, it's, yeah. Helpers of God's children or Ugh. hog pie or something. Yeah, I can never remember. <laughs> Don't dedicate myself too oh, much to terrible. it. <laughs> but they're like, oh, we're just going to send out letters and stuff to the people around. And I'm like... No one wants to hear from you. No, they really... No, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So it's good that that's come into effect. And I think it's spurring other states to start looking at decriminalization as a first step. And Mm. then also How many states is it still illegal? Um, It's still on the criminal code in Queensland. Because there's that little young girl up there, the 12-year-old. Yes. Which is really depressing. Really depressing. Refreshed my... Because Karen just mentioned it before, but I was just like, oh, I read about that ages ago and I can't remember. She wants an abortion and they're not letting her. Yeah, um, because in Queensland, the doctor has to prove that it would be detrimental to the woman's mental health in order for it to be legal, and that can be quite hard to prove. Um, I would think for a 12-year-old that would be pretty easy to prove, (laughs) but apparently (laughs) not. Yeah, it's it's horrific. Um, Yeah, but there's a a bill being tabled soon to decriminalize it, which hopefully that goes through. Does Asia have much involvement in her case, or is that... No, not really. Um, So we, on our committee... RCA is more a network of different organizations. So our, on our committee, I think everyone is from a different organization and most okay. of them work directly with pro-choice organizations. Um, so one of the committee members is a member of Children by Choice in Queensland um, and they do referral services to different doctors for every stage of gestation, whether or not you're going through with that or not. Um, and they have worked on that case a little bit, I think, and similar cases like that. Yeah. And that's kind of our involvement but sort of stepped back. We mostly do kind of awareness and stigma awareness and things like that. Yeah, it's really interesting because I've always, I can't remember ever feeling like it was never, like it should never be the woman's choice. Yeah, and most Australians feel that way. (laughs) And most people are really surprised when you tell them that it's not completely legal all over Australia. And I I was surprised to find Mm. that out too because it's just not really talked about. Yeah. Yeah. It's so bizarre. It's a weird kind of environment. And watching the US environment, which is just crazy yeah. hostile, and some of that's starting to filter into Australia a little bit, which is a big shame. But mm. we'll see where it goes. Um, what do your family think of your feminist beliefs? Um, a tough <laughs> question. <laughs> you can pass. <laughs> no, no it's, it's interesting. My family's all Christian. Um, I was raised as a Christian. I personally don't identify as one now, um, but every member of my family does. Um, and well, I was raised to be pretty independent, so it's not like anyone has an issue that I 
have those beliefs, but it's not yeah. really something we talk about a whole lot. My mom tries to and then realizes she disagrees with me, so we stop talking about yeah. things too much. But um, my sister actually is starting to um, become more interested in discussing things with me and thinking about that she's the one that just had a baby. So yeah. she's really, at the moment, really talking about how outrageous it is that breastfeeding is so shamed and yeah. then I'm kind of leaping into feminism there <laughs> it's so. funny because it, it is shamed for people doing it but then also if you don't do it you're also you're shamed. also shamed it's you can't so win ridiculous. which is the case of being women in so many areas <laughs> just everyone's doing the best that they can I know just just let them be I know Mind some people can definitely do better but but they're doing the best they can that's right <laughs> <laughs> which is why do we judge people so much yeah. for one decision or the other yeah yeah, so you're involved in Slut Walk this year as well. Yes, That's which I've never actually been to a Slut Walk, but I've always loved the idea of it. So. That was me last year. Yeah. I saw a call out for volunteers, and I was like, well, I want to do something to do with feminism in Melbourne, so I'll do that. Basically what I did, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was at their meetings, and they were just talking about all the stuff, and I was like, um, I've never been to a march. Mm-hmm. But, but no, it was really awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one, and for the fundraiser. I think that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Victim shaming to me is a really personal thing that I've got quite a lot of passion about um victim shaming is so bizarre it is very bizarre why is it that people why do you do you think that people when something happens to a a person that the person that it's happened like the victim is always questioned Mm. I've always wondered why yeah I've thought about this a lot and studying psychology we talked about it a little bit in my degree just that tendency to blame somebody and to blame the person who's closest and it, mm. but it doesn't make sense like there's obvious there's an obvious person to blame and people yeah. just kind of ignore that I don't not yeah. sure um I think a lot of it just comes down to this expectation that it's women's responsibility to protect themselves to cover themselves to do xyz and it's the blame isn't really put on the right people yeah someone but, said to me last year well, you wouldn't leave your house unlocked and expect not to get burgled. And I was like, actually, I would. I do leave yeah. my house unlocked quite a bit. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't want to go home and find a burgle. It's funny. In Minnesota, nobody locks anything. <laughs> like there's a culture of you don't lock your cars, you don't lock your house. And yeah. if someone knocks on your door and asks to use your bathroom or to use your phone, you let them. Oh. And it's like a completely expected thing. It's called Minnesota nice. And But yet people are still obviously angry when they get robbed. And rightfully so. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's very weird. But yeah. It's I hate concept. that analogy so much. And I think it's a terrible I, analogy. <laughs> when someone asked me last, like they said that last year, I wasn't quite. I didn't. I would. I wasn't able to answer it because I hadn't really thought about it, and I felt like I was put on the spot sort of thing. So I hadn't. I'd mm. never been asked that before, and I was just. Like, I went home and I was so mad. I was like, ah, nah. yeah. It was like the night before slut walk and stuff, and I was just like, why would you say that to me? Yeah, <laughs> that's awful. Oh yeah, I read this. I wrote this ranty. Um, sort of reply to an article that I saw in the age of the day because it made me so angry when I read it. What and was it? It was this person, this man was had his um, time in jail appealed. He appealed his um, punishment, I guess. He raped a woman at a party. She was asleep and he raped her but then got interrupted or something so he was only like raping her for 10 seconds. Mm. But the the way the article was worded was just like that. He only did it for 10 seconds. Like, 
yeah. the severity of the crime wasn't that bad. And I'm like, but it's still trying to If it to happens, rape her. it happens. It doesn't matter how long it lasts. Yeah, that doesn't make any. That's and then, really weird. And then they went on to like talk about how he was of good character and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, but he saw a woman sleeping and thought, yep. you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna try and have sex with her. Yeah, it's like that. Um, those cases that were. It seems like they've kind of died down a little bit, but they're happening a lot in the states. Um, with high schoolers, and then with it all being like, oh, but they're really good at football. Yeah. What? No. That doesn't that doesn't help at all. And if you report this, you're gonna ruin the rest of their lives. And it's like, boom, diddums. They ruined her <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah. It's just. Oh, so... that made me so angry. I was. Yeah. Oh. So do you feel like you have to stay on top of all of the American stuff as well? Do people always say to you, oh, what do you think of this, this, and this? Yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to speak for all of America. Pretty much. I think there is kind of that expectation. I'm like, well, there was a lot of crazy people there. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> yeah. No, Minnesota particularly. Um, I find after kind of becoming a feminist, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, and then getting involved in RCA, I've visited Minnesota, and there... It's very much Catholic mm-hmm. people, so there are billboards that are anti-choice all over. Oh. Um, like every few miles, there's a, a billboard with an infant and talking about heartbeats and things like that. And it's quite confronting. Yeah. And makes you realize, like, that's Minnesota, where it's pretty mild and the laws are pretty accessible. And then you think about places in the U.S. where people are really rabid about it, like Kansas. That would be a scary place to be a yeah. woman, basically. <laughs> Yeah. So what would feminists do now? Say to 11-year-old you moving to Melbourne? Um, that's a good question. Or even like 15, 16-year-old you? Yeah. Um, it's odd because I've kind of... I think I've always held similar beliefs, like the, the ideas and thoughts that I've had that have made me reach the conclusion of feminism. I think I've always had them, but just never really been able to define them or Mm. know what to do with them I guess like I was always really passionate about not judging people when I was young and I think taking a lot of the anger that I had at the world and turning it into something good would be something I'd say (laughs) (laughs) what were you like uh I think I just didn't think about what I was doing or saying and like yeah I think I'd tell myself to be a lot more careful about how I talk and treat people yeah. and how I view the world, I think. Because, yeah, when I was 16, um, I think I was just angry and I didn't really <laughs> know why or how to channel that. And now, growing up, I've channeled that into being politically active and I wish I would have done that sooner. I think I was fairly superficial. Yeah. Until I turned, like, 20 and met my partner now and started to change towards being like a better person yes (laughs) i think that that's how i view my life a little bit too i'm like i got went to uni met my husband got became a better person basically not to credit joe completely with who i am but i think certainly influences it um yeah it's really funny i think that i would tell my younger self like just everything always changes because i used to get so Mm. fixated on like what are you going to do when you grow up I still don't know. No. I don't know any adult who does know. <laughs> don't know a single person who's like, this is definitely what I'm going to do. Yeah. that's a, I think that's great advice for most teenagers. Like, a lot's going to happen yeah. in the next few years. Just roll with it. Mm-hmm. What do you sort of do for, like, when you get really bummed out with <laughs> all these 
really depressing people who are doing really terrible things. What do you yeah. do for self-care? That is a good question. Um, ignore it a lot of the time. <laughs> I think, like, I... I don't tend to watch the news because I find the news is just, it's outrageously depressing and I'm just mopey when I regularly read the news. So I don't really, I get stuff off Facebook, but I'm trying to, I'm actually trying at the moment to limit how much I'm on Facebook because there is a lot of that negativity and so much like the things I've liked, they're great pages and there's great people, but there's just a lot of anger because there's so much crap happening. Mm. Um, I think I just switch off. I like to watch tv and yeah just do other stuff what sort of things do you like to watch on telly doctor who oh. <laughs> yeah um lots of things i think orange is the new black is a great show i'm really into gilmore girls lately actually i never Did, have watched, you watched it before a, um i started watching it like two years ago i think but i never watched it as a young ah. young person i feel like i should have <laughs> um that's basically what i do i pretend uni doesn't exist and i watch netflix yeah. so are you still in uni now um, yeah, I'm almost done. Um, I'm in my technically fifth year of a bachelor's degree, and I'm just, I've underloaded my whole degree, so I'm just doing electives, but nearly there. Nearly there. <laughs> so it's bachelor's in psychology? Yep. Um, psych science at Latrobe. So, yeah, I really, really loved it, but I'm not doing any of my core classes now. I'm just doing electives, so it's a bit laid back, I suppose. I'm only actually doing one psychology subject. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Did you do gender studies or anything like that? Or? No, I actually didn't. I've just focused in, on psychology. I've done a couple um, like legal studies electives. And at the moment I'm doing a geology class, which has no relevance to anything <laughs> in my life. But it's really interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, not really. I kind of more got involved in t- and learned about things outside of uni. Yeah. Tried to do that more socially, I think. Yeah. So how do you learn about the feminist things that you want to learn about? Um, mostly by reading articles, talking to people, listening to what other people think, and then kind of forming my own opinions based on those, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't even really watch, like, read feminist books in particular. I don't think. I've been meaning to. Yeah, I've got um, so many. I've got a stack. But I'm really bad at reading nonfiction. Uh, yeah, me too. I'm like, <laughs> it just, it, sometimes it takes too much brain effort, and I'm like, can't be bothered. But, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd rather listen to something. Like, fiction books, oh, power through, and I can read so many, but non-fiction, it's hard work. It's hard, yeah. Especially when they're really academic. Like, some of them are just too academic. Yeah. I feel like they need to dumb it down a bit for me. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to feel like I'm studying. (laughs) I want to feel like I'm reading. (laughs) Yeah. No, I get that. And like I said, my partner and I have a lot of debates about different things, so I form a lot of opinions based on debating other people. Um, talking to my sisters and friends. I've got a few friends who identify as feminists, but possibly a bit, I don't know, less strongly than I would. So a lot of talking to them about why I believe what I believe yeah. kind of forces me to think about it. So I'm working as a therapist for a little boy with autism. Oh, wow. So I go to his house and do therapy with him. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I absolutely love my job. <laughs> absolutely. I could talk about it for hours on end. <laughs> so don't get me started. But <laughs> No, I'd love to get started. So that's really, really cool. Mm. Autism is just something that I don't really know that much about. But um, it's, why is it that autism in girls is less sort of... We're not actually sure. Um, So I studied this as part of my degree as well. Um, We don't really know the causes of autism. There's like a handful of factors that seem like they could. So what the actual thinking at the moment now is that 
autism is a term that we use to describe a whole group of disorders rather than one disorder. Okay. Um, so there's different types of autism, essentially, and each one might have completely different causes. We're mm-hmm. not really... and consequently completely different cures um, or treatments. If you are there causes for autism? Um, yeah, there are. So there's um, a lot of evidence to suggest there's genetic causes because it does tend to run in the family. Yeah. Um, there's other suggestions that it's just um, brain structural differences. Um, yeah, there's a whole host of them. There's quite a lot of research that links a whole bunch of different things. And then, of course, there's the not-so-evidence-based ones like vaccines. Yeah, I was going to be like, but not vaccines. Not vaccines. <laughs> <laughs> Nor is it gluten and milk that causes autism. In my head, things like genetics and stuff aren't a cause. They're just like, just how, that's how it is. Yeah, well, I guess there is kind of that, are there genes affected by having autism and that's what makes their genes different or did the genes being different cause autism Ah. which one like chicken or egg which one's come which one comes first um and we don't really have a definitive way of telling at the moment so we just people do what they can and see what works for everyone because everyone's treated differently and Mm. different treatments work so what i do is it's called aba therapy so it's behavioral based therapy um and that doesn't work for everybody, but it does work for some. Same with medications. So it's a really complicated world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the research is not, not very steady on anything. Yeah. So girls don't... They're not, they're not less than them. Is it just that it's picked up less? Or? Um, possibly both. Uh, we're not... Again, we're yeah. not sure. <laughs> um, there's a huge difference in the rates. It's much higher in boys. Mm. Um, but again, that's because there are a lot there so there's a disorder um that i can't remember the name of at the moment that is only found in girls and it looks a lot like autism but it's not it's Mm. quite different um so a lot of girls get misdiagnosed as one or the other um usually as the other rather than autism and it does tend to be that girls have to exhibit more of the same symptoms to be met with diagnosis not sure why but yeah um just this idea that girls kind of are a little more socially excluded anyways which is an odd kind of assumption yeah yeah it's interesting (laughs) i guess there's that expectation on the two like if you have a little boy and a little girl you'd almost expect the little girl to be more like affectionate and things Mm. which is crazy because little boys are very affectionate very affectionate yeah squidgy yeah the little one i work with is super cuddly so (laughs) it's adorable (laughs) i thought this is my um, own what's the word I'm looking for ignorance like that autism like people with autism were not necessarily very affectionate mm, that's a really common thing like it's I think most people assume when they hear the word autism that that means they don't want social interaction yeah. quite the opposite like most of them desperately want that social interaction they just don't know how yeah. so that's a, that's a main part of my job is teaching him how to be appropriately affectionate and how to um, which is interestingly where like consent and things come into yeah. it um, which I'm really battling with at the moment is how to teach a five year old's <laughs> bodily autonomy <laughs> um, when he can't do a lot of self care things for himself anyways um, and which is I think it's cool that kind of my feminism kind of interacts with my work a little bit in that way um it's a pretty new thing, so I'm enjoying thinking about it. Yeah. How do you yeah. teach a five-year-old consent? 
explicitly I guess by just saying like so he likes to hug me quite a bit he likes to like lean his head on my shoulder and kind of snuggle in while we're reading books and I just stop him and make him ask me before he does it and then if I say yes I let him if I say no he has to respect that um and you do the same reverse like if you want to yeah yeah um yeah so I don't like I'll occasionally like tickle him or whatever (laughs) um but I won't hug him unless I ask him I just tend, tend not to um but it's it's difficult because that's what I'm teaching him, but his family will still yeah. like dress him or undress him or put lotion on him without even acknowledging that they're doing that. Yeah. Um, so it's really difficult to teach a child that you can't touch someone without their permission while he's being touched without his permission all the time. And that's really common for five-year-olds, yeah. particularly kids on the spectrum who don't do a lot of that self-care. Yeah, I saw a thing about that the other day where someone was saying that they're, they were starting teaching consent from a young age with their child and that sort of like is it okay if, if I touch you like this or blah, I think blah, I blah. saw that but it like was like a cartoon yeah. yeah I saw that and that's great I've never I'd never even it had never crossed my mind yeah to start teaching consent from such a young age see that's something I'm really passionate about and I've read so much on that and like talked about that because I work with little kids yeah um and I do want kids down the line and I've got so many little nieces and nephews that I'm around kids so much and that does occur to me that like we don't teach that very well we don't teach that to boys or girls very no, well and that needs to start young I'm the older person I know what I'm doing here yeah like, I'm the adult I'm in charge I can do whatever I want and that's not okay <laughs> <laughs> kind of a really really bizarre way of... it's a I think a damaging mentality yeah I think if I had been taught at a young young age that it was my body and I was in control of it I think some aspects of my life probably would have been different so I want to teach kids that as yeah. much as I can it's really important yeah I loved that cartoon but I was, it was just a like, great cartoon I love cuddles yeah <laughs> pretty much and how do you like what if they hold say hold yourself no. back yeah like, you like, want like, to tickle them I have to respect that yeah oh, damn <laughs> it is challenging sometimes but yeah um like I like one of my favorite articles um talks about the one of the most simple ways to teach consent is don't force your child to hug other people it's like it's really common to be like oh go give your aunt a hug no you don't want to you have to it's your aunt um and i try really hard to be like nope they said no i don't don't need a hug don't worry about it but people can be quite pushy yeah. about well, making when i get to my niece and nephews i'm like give me a hug yeah and they're just like no and i'm like i don't care <laughs> do it anyways <laughs> yeah it's an interesting area. What age do you start? Once I guess once I start understanding you. Um, yeah, although I've also read articles saying that um, it can start earlier than that. So instead of, like, it can be as simple as the language you use when they're starting to learn language. Um, <clears throat> so using, like, anatomically correct terms rather than made-up silly names that people tend to use. Um, and that just teaches them to take care of, like, to actually take care of their bodies and to understand them for what they really are. Yeah. Rather than this kind of infantilized mm. terms that people use. I've heard, like, I've heard, um, heard, read things saying that from birth when you're changing their diaper to explain what you're doing as you're doing it and to, like, obviously they can't say yes you can do that that's yeah. fine but just kind of telling them what's happening so that they're kind of always aware of what's going on and then then they'll learn that language themselves and be more communicative about that's so interesting yeah it's really interesting i'm really enjoying reading about that and thinking about that and it's kind of an under underdeveloped area i think do you think after your bachelor's you'll go on to do 
for the study? Uh, yeah, I hope to. I'm going to take a bit of a break. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really ready to be done studying for a little while. Um, but eventually I want to do honors and masters and hopefully someday a PhD. But I want to practice as a psychologist, so I have to at least do honors and masters. Oh, cool. Yeah. I did one year at uni and it didn't work for me. And I'm just, I'm amazed when people spend all their time studying. I don't know how people do it either. <laughs> I'm like, the idea of postgrad terrifies me, honestly. <laughs> but maybe. Yeah. We'll see. What did you study? Well, this is part of the problem. I went and I wanted to do something like of the event planning or something. And I went in and did a Bachelor of Commerce and like accounting and econ. And oh, God. That sounds hard. <laughs> Quantitative business statistics. And oh. I was just like, no, yeah. what am I doing? That's not a great introduction to study. <laughs> <laughs> sounds awful. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. Uh, no, I commend people who can do that kind of thing. If I had been told statistics was involved in psychology before I signed up, I probably wouldn't have signed up. Nobody warned me about statistics. <laughs> Do you have any feminist recommendations? Um, I've thought about this a fair bit, and my husband judges me for my choice. But um, to explain it first, so it's a young adult book that I, it's a series that I love called Vampire Academy. Have you ever heard of them? Vaguely. Vaguely, yeah. I read them a lot as a teenager. I think I read the whole series like three times. Um, I love them. I think the main character in it, there's two main characters, they're both women, and they're very kick-ass, feminist, independent, do what they want to do, um, and take care of each other rather than focusing on everything else. Um, and so, yeah, I think, ordinarily, I was thinking, do I recommend, like, Gilmore Girls or yeah. a TV show? And then I was, I have a 13-year-old sister, um, and she recently lent me a young adult book that she really liked and I couldn't even get through the first chapter because it was a really like, there was gross gender stereotypes and just a lot of like victim blaming, even though nothing had happened in the first chapter. It was very was much, oh, I can't even remember the name now. It's I like, tried to read one called Asking For It and I, oh, it was terrible. That sounds like it'd be terrible. <laughs> was, I think the thing was that it was going to like try and flip it on its side, but I couldn't even get far enough into it and I actually like put it in the bin. I was like, yeah. I don't even want this to try and like challenge any of my beliefs. I'm no. just going to put it in the bin. <laughs> you don't need that. There's enough of that like just completely wrong perspective in the world. We don't need that. But yeah, I was really disturbed by how gross it was. Um, just completely misogynistic. And so I like brought it back to her and was like, let's talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think there's a lot of... Um, need for more feminist influences for young women I think a lot of the times it doesn't really happen and we don't get a lot of that representation until we're watching older things and reading older books and I think we should start young yeah we should teach young girls about feminism so I think the young adult world needs more feminist models and that's one I think they're great <laughs> that's really awesome yeah <laughs> hmm. it's a, like it's a vampire book but it's yeah. not like it's not like Twilight um there's a love story, but she's also just kick-ass and so saves her best friend. Yeah. Well, I think there's six books. Awesome. Yeah. I don't really... I'm a bit all over the show this weekend, and even when I just said to you, what's your feminist recommendation? I was like, oh my god, I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to recommend Shasha the Femme, if you're in Melbourne. Yeah. So I've actually, like, I've just recently started hearing about them. What yeah. is... So it's a feminist panel once a month. Yeah. It started six years ago. By Karen Pickering. Yeah. And she's on maternity leave at the moment, but it's still going strong, and we, I'm on the door. <laughs> so I'm a little bit biased. Well, not even biased. Like, it's amazing. It's great. I've heard great things about it and, like, seen events, but I've never actually been to one. Yeah, so on a Tuesday, the first Tuesday of the month, they pick a, they pick a topic prior, and 
have a great panel representing the topic and talk about it. Yeah. And the first half is them discussing it and the second half they answer questions from the audience. Okay, awesome. So the last one was feminism in the academy and the one before that was feminism in class. But yeah, it's very like wide, like quite varied. But if you're not in Melbourne and you want to listen to it, they've also got a podcast where they have they stream from the podcast. Yeah. Which I think you can get on iTunes, but you can also just get from their website. But okay, it's cool. really really great. I'll but, have to actually go to an event sometime. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> it's really cool. I really love it. Yeah. They just have such amazing speakers and people ask such like intelligent questions from the audience, and I'm just. You can't walk away from it feeling so like, yeah, yeah, everything's amazing, we're all going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds like a really good place for quite intellectual and in-depth discussions about things, yeah. which there's definitely, we need more of that, for sure. So first Tuesday of the month. I'm not sure what the next topic is, but it will come out shortly, I'm sure. Yeah, I feel like I followed Yellow on Facebook, so. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> this was fun. <laughs> it's been really great.